when we started building the product, the problem was tangible and clear. Uh, but as we spoke to different marketers at different companies, right, we realized that to have an events program that is repeatable and that is at a scale that requires a product, an enterprise date product, you need to be a company of certain size. Hey, welcome back to the show. And today, I cannot wait for you to meet our guest today. Polosh, will you tell us who you are and what do you do? Yeah, Todd, excited to be here. Thanks for inviting me. I am My Palash. pleasure. I am, the, I am the co-founder and CEO of Goldcast. We are a B2B SaaS company. And the way we position ourselves is that we are a B2B events platform Love that it. help marketers do events that captivate their audience and drive revenue. That means that our product helps them throw digital events and in-person events and help them drive audience and increase their attendance. We have a very immersive experience that helps them engage and wow their audience. Uh, and then we have a host of content tools that helps them extend the life of their event after the event is done, because right, that's where right, a lot right. of you know, juice comes out of the event. And then ultimately drive a lot of go-to-market activities around all of this with a suite of analytics, data, integrations, and other things that we have built in the product. So ultimately very much geared towards marketing teams that are trying to build a brand and drive revenue through events. Love it, love it. I mean, a lot of people are doing that. I mean, a ton of people are doing that. And if you're not doing that, you should be thinking about doing that because it's a really important part Absolutely. of your business. So Polish, I mean, you guys started this in 2020. And you yeah. are growing very rapidly. Obviously, you hit it at the exact right time. Um, how yeah. much of COVID had, how much did that have to do with the launch of this business? Yeah, that's a good question, Todd. Uh, it was definitely an opportunistic bet, right? Good. Uh, when COVID hit, we, we, it was very obvious that digital events will be a thing, right? Right. Our right, right. unique take to all of this was that it will, be not be a horizontal business. We were not interested in building a horizontal all all in one digital events platform. Our bet right. was that digital events will be a channel of its own for B two B marketing teams, right? Because it will it it makes sense for them, right? It helps them extend yeah. their reach in yeah. this world, which is you know very remote and hybrid. It will help them get to their audience in a cost effective way. It right. generates a lot of great content, right. and ultimately, it will help transition events into a more modern marketing channel, which is digital, adaptable, measurable. And our bet was that we could build a product purpose built for marketing teams that could fit in their go-to-market stack. The same way, you know, new categorical products like Drift, Outreach, they have become default for their categories, right? So right, right, right. that was our unique take at that time. And COVID definitely helped accelerate this trend. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you really hit the market at a perfect time with a product like this. And, and, you know, as I look at your product, I personally have hosted a lot of in-person events. The digital events are not necessarily, uh, yeah, they seemed weird to me at first. Obviously, this is what we're doing right now. We're doing a digital meetup to do the podcast. Yeah. But like, yeah. As as that whole thing started to evolve, I'm curious, you know, market, you, you said that one of your targets is marketing teams who are launching promotional events, things like that. Aren't they already utilizing a lot of the features that you're doing inside of their CRM for the go to market and the publicizing and all that? Like, where did you think that that would fit 
with existing marketing platforms versus just writing this whole platform that handles everything? Yeah, that's a great question, Todd. So if you if we dial back to the time we started, right? Um, yeah. The, what existed for digital events was uh, largely webinar platforms, right? And And they were generally very old school the way people did webinars what they did webinars for that yeah. was very limited and and that whole uh, that was a whole uh, whole of a different and small category right um and our, yeah and our bet was that this will explode in terms of the utility of what people would want to do with a product right so uh, a webinar right. platform is limited in what it's intended for right but our goal was to build a product that can help people do a host of things, right? So it starts from not only what webinar platforms were, you know, you uh, were built to do, which is small right. you know, 30 minute webinars, but we can do a host of other things like from, you know, two hour events that are product demos. And then there's a Q and a session after that. And then there we, right. we have people doing repeatable trainings and things like that. And, and all the way up to you know multi-day digital conferences. So if you look at a marketer, right, and their marketing strategy, wow, all of these fit at different points, right? They are part of different campaigns, and they need different functionality of varying scale. But all of this has to happen in one platform, right? That can represent their brand very well, that can consolidate all of the right. data, and can help them work in one platform. And though it sounds obvious, nothing like this existed at that time. So, uh, we listen, I get it. I get it. I remember because I was trying to transition some of my in-person events to, to virtual events. And I was yeah. like, uh, zoom, <laughs> Google hangouts, yeah. you know, it's like, there wasn't a whole lot of options out there. So, so you, you took a big swing yeah. at, at an open market yeah. and, uh, and you've been able to grow significantly. I mean, tell us about the growth you've experienced in the last three years. Cause this is a, an exciting story. Yeah, definitely, Todd. So we we started May 2020, and then we we did more market research after that, and built the product, did some betas, and then finally started selling in Jan of 21. That is when uh, we went to market, and then since wow. then we have grown to almost now 300 customers is where we are at today, and we are touching almost double digit million in in ARR. So uh, that's where the company is Love at it. right now. And uh, our product has also evolved in the scope of what it captures, right? So we were first very focused on solving the problem of digital events and how to make them immersive, captivating, how to boost audience. But now we are right. expanding into an all-encompassing enterprise media platform, right? Because events and content are kind of the same thing in a, right. an enterprise, right? So a lot of the content that exists for B2B marketing means that's a very high value asset is created on Goldcast. So our next suite of products are content products that help them repurpose uh, the content that comes out of Goldcast, which is, you know, you could quickly get 30 second clips, 45 second clips that you uh, can easily share on social or, or to your BDR teams. You can host, put, put them on your website, and then you can, track the impact of all of it to that one event or event campaign. And this was and is still not possible in any, any other product. I am so glad you're here. And I just wanted to take a few seconds to tell you about a program that we have assembled with a lot of our podcast guests and a lot of people who are listening to the show who are feeling the same way that they do. There's a recurring theme. 
you'll hear a lot of these founders talk about, I couldn't have done it without my team. I couldn't have done it without a, a support group of peers. I couldn't have done it without having someone to talk to that understood my feeling of isolation as an operator of my business. You see, you're not alone. It is hard running a business and it's even harder when you know you can't express all your deepest concerns and frustrations with your executive team. It makes them nervous. It gets them scared. You don't want scared people on your executive team. So where do you turn? The Captain's Council is where you turn. The Captain's Council it is an organization that we are put together with podcast guests, as well as people who are listening who are in the same boat. You see, peers are the only ones that can give you the type of empathy, the type of advice that only a founder or operator know and understand. Go check it out at captainscouncil.com. I know you're gonna love what you see there. We have put together an organizational structure that has small group settings, a global community of founders and operators, as well as monthly and quarterly in-person events. You're gonna love what you see there. I can't wait for you to check it out and enjoy the rest of this episode. Wow. So you're telling me that my invitation to you to come on this podcast and do it on and do it on Riverside and what have you, that's nothing compared to what you're building right now. Because what you're building is gonna be able to host not only these types of engagements, yes. but large group engagements and then repurpose that content into wherever you want to use it. Exactly. Is that what you're telling me? Exactly, yeah. So in some ways, we will Shoot. end up competing with Riverside, but for our swath of customers. So Riverside is very, very horizontal, very great product, and uh, we will right, bundle right. some of that capabilities just because having that all in one connected platform opens up a realm of possibilities, similar to what Rippling is doing for the payroll stack, right? Or uh, sure, sure. What, what a lot of compound products like like Ramp are doing for the payment stack. We are doing that same for right. the content stack. Very cool, man. I love it. I, it sounds like you and I need to have a conversation after this call because <laughs> content's a huge part of my business. And so this is yeah. this is really exciting. So, so, excuse me. So Goldcast was born out of COVID. You launched in 2021. Now you're touching on near 10 million in revenue. And this is annual recurring revenue. This is not just uh, event revenue. No, we, we actually only sell annual licenses for, wow. for the use of our product. Fantastic. I love it. Okay. So this is a great example of someone who's taken an idea, taken advantage of timing, taken advantage of, of good development and also good sales strategy uh, because you don't just go for big dollars like that without a good sales strategy. Dive in a little bit and tell us, you know, early on, what made you decide to hit a larger I guess you could say larger business model as opposed to going to startups and small people doing all the Zoom calls and all the things that they were doing early on in COVID. Yeah, that's that's a very good question, Todd. And that is one of the decisions we got right early on that helped us survive and yeah. thrive, right? So yeah. when we started building the product, the problem was tangible and clear. Uh, but as we spoke to different marketers at different companies, right? we realized that to have an events program that is repeatable and that is at a scale that requires a product, an enterprise-grade product, you need to be a company of certain size because in smaller right. companies, the problem is sort of shifted upper funnel, right? Where they are struggling to get totally. people to the events. 
And that is more of a marketing problem than an events problem, right? So uh, we early on decided that our persona is going to be companies with more than 200 employees. That's where roughly where you have a large enough audience. And now you are thinking about how do I engage them effectively? How do I, how do I scale my program? So that's where we went in. And if we looked at the market landscape, all of the products that existed at that time were catering to the startups, right? Because everyone had a product product led strategy. They were simple and easy to use. But when we talked to our customers, they wanted something that was actually high touch, right? So our model is, is very top down sales. We are not product led, um, not because it's a bad model, but our marketers, our people needed that high touch post sales model. So we have an implementation team, a CS team that that. helps you take you take through that journey and helps you be successful at scale. Smart. You know, a lot of startups get scared to do that, that route. And I'm actually really proud of you for doing that. You're way better than I am at that because I, I have a tendency to, to always, whenever I'm launching anything new, I want to go towards like some low ticket offers so that, I get more use cases out of it. You went straight to the top, 200 plus employee companies. Those are, that's a great, that's a great company size to utilize. uh, And they're willing to pay the right price because they don't want to screw up their conference, right? Exactly, exactly. And that is what the the crux of the whole problem we found out. Ultimately, it's a high stakes, high stress environment, right? Running events. And that is what we cracked over time. And that is our sort of, tribal defense against other players, right? Because it not only takes a good product, but a host of other things around it, servicing and and customer support, success and everything else that makes the experience successful. Fantastic. Wow. (laughs) Thank you. Very, very cool. Honestly, uh, there's a big chunk of me that's very jealous that you, you have been able to have the success that you've had in such a short period of time. I know that for those listening, I hope this inspires you. Uh, no, don't be jealous, but be inspired by the fact that that you and your group have been so smart in not only the product, the timing, but also the target audience. You know, tell us a little bit about like when you were when you were initially ready to, to go with a product. I mean, have you worked with with higher uh, like these higher revenue companies in the past? Is that why you felt comfortable going to those companies or? Tell us a little bit about why you chose that specific ideal client persona. Yeah, that's that's a great question, Todd. So my background before starting the company was that I was a product manager at an ad tech company, so adverti- advertising technology. And, gotcha. um, and so I was familiar with the space of ad tech and martech and what generally the marketers are looking for. So that definitely helped, right? Cool, and cool. The the choice of persona was exactly what, what I said, right? We we made a rational choice of saying, okay, what does the market landscape look like? Where is right. an un- unsolved problem? And where can there be defensibility and stickiness? And this is what emerged out of it. Now, engaging this persona is obviously a lot harder than engaging startups. And so we yeah. took time yeah. to go to market, right? But, um, but it was ultimately a choice. Yeah, <laughs> I, you know, it's really funny you say that because I I have the, at the beginning of COVID, I did the opposite of you. I, I decided I was going to help a bunch of startups with their marketing yeah. uh, packages. And I can't tell you what a mistake that was. Like, I think that it almost takes as much energy to land a $2,500 a month client as it does 
you know, someone like you're going after with such a bigger scale product. And I think you totally chose right. I think that too many startups, too many founders of companies will go with what they think is the least path of least resistance, which in my opinion is not the startup community. <laughs> they're, they're the, they're the path of more headaches. <laughs> yeah. I realize, awesome. Yeah. That can be tricky. <laughs> well, very cool. So, so now we talked about some of the successes that you've seen. What were some of the big mistakes? What were the things that you didn't see coming that that kind of kept you from growing as fast as maybe you you envision? It's possible. Yeah, that's a great question, Todd. So one of the things that we have not done very well in the last, I would say, one and a half years since we have grown a lot in scale is, is actually an internal thing, right? That people very well aware of what's going on in the market. So I won't talk about that. But right. um Internally, as the company has grown, right, and as we have scaled up, every founder and every CEO would be aware of this challenge. But as you know, the economy is indulgence and and people are remote, right? This problem yeah. is more yeah. pronounced. It's the problem of alignment, right? As we are growing, yeah. Yeah. what we needed to do at two million changes from what we need to do at five million. That changes from yes. where what we need to do now, right? And right. those changes, they, they sound good on paper, but that requires a lot of alignment, right? And and under, and as the scale grows, the the activities that you need to keep everyone aligned, that grows exponentially. And I think yeah. we sort of underestimated the, the effort that would go into it and what we needed to get that through, especially when things were changing right. fast right. and when we were remote. So if I were to- I love that you say that. Better, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I love that you say that because I think so many companies underestimate the, the value of that yeah. alignment and having a shared vision amongst your teams. Yeah. What, what would you say, like, can you rattle off right now? Are you very clear on what your, what your mission or what your uh, core values? Like, how did you align your team to, to produce what you're doing right now? Yeah. So we, we are still going through that alignment exercise, right? Cool. And there are... There are, and it's a constant exercise, right? As things change yeah. on the go-to-market side, on the product vision side, it's a constant exercise. But on the product vision side, we are actually very clear and articulate, right? We we think that B2B events is our wedge into a larger content opportunity, right? And we can become right. the platform where B2B marketing teams and B2B companies in general run their content, right? And that's a gigantic opportunity. And we think we have a right to win there. Um, and I think everyone is excited towards it. And there's a, cool. and I think we have that we have gotten right in how we run that. Then the second question is go to market side, which is a yeah. complicated thing that keeps on changing every time, right? And my big learning there is that as the R grows, right? There are two things that has to be at every point examined and made clear. One is, do you have very clear accountability and owners for each yeah. of the critical metrics? Because as the R becomes multi-layered, that might dissipate right and people for totally. the right best intent might end up making not the best decisions the second is having the right data and processes to guide them because when data and processes are absent it is filled by mistrust that void is filled by mistrust and that slows you down a lot uh, especially in remote that is harder to come out of so 100%. i think if it I think it people like especially startup founders like me, they're more impatient, right? And we want to drive change yeah. fast. I think taking some time to drive change is worth it 
because it will cause a lot less pain after. So those are two big learnings for me. <laughs> Fantastic. I love it. And, you know, I think that most people, like I mentioned earlier, underestimate that that importance of having alignment in your teams. And, you know, I think a lot of that stems from founders try to keep their fingers in everything at first. And you cannot pull out of things without having alignment and without having each manager, each department understanding where you want to take the company, right? And exactly. so the minute you nail that down, all of a sudden you find it easier to pull back and let yeah. the company run, right? Yeah, exactly. That's that's the intent of what we want. And, and I think that has to, at this scale of growth and pace of growth, that has to happen just a lot more frequently than probably what we were doing. <laughs> that's awesome that's awesome well where do you see yourself being in uh in five years like what 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 is your end goal with this company yeah uh so i think todd if we play the cards right then we can become a household name for for enterprises right because there's a clear opportunity there's a clear trend right that content is the lifeblood of companies right it's uh every yeah. company every brand is as relevant as the last you know ad that they did at last content campaign that they did. And so totally. for us, the trend is clear. There's a tailwind with AI that is coming in, right? That that will help us a lot. So we think we can be a really huge company that is, you know, at least a hundred million ARR in five years, if not more. And wow, best case, we could be a big public company uh, at that time. So that's, there's a host of ambitions, uh, but Love we are that. also very pragmatic. Uh, we want to take the right steps and make sure that we we do right by our investors and people and everyone else. So we are right. uh, we are taking a mix of both. <laughs> love it, dude. This has been a fun, fun conversation. I absolutely love. Congratulations on all the success you've seen so far, and I'm 100% confident that as you dial in this uh, this uh, alignment with your teams, you're only going to continue to see more and more growth, possibly more rapidly. So I love what you're doing. Way to go! Thanks, Todd. Thanks a lot. But before I let you go, I got to yes. ask, you know, I, I love to find out from people, who, is there someone who's been there in the back corner kind of mentoring someone that you've leaned on or a group of people that you've leaned on that have helped you get to where you're at today? Yeah, Todd, definitely. So apart from my co-founder and my team, which is the obvious, there are two people yeah. who I have gotten a lot of help and mentorship from. One of them is Mark Organ. He was the co-founder of Eloqua. Um, and a veteran yeah. founder in the MarTech space, right? Very well known. And he was my coach and is a mentor that I count on. So he helped me through a lot of awesome. you know, ups and downs. Uh, and the second one is Sandhya, who is our board member. She's a partner at Unusual Ventures. And uh, I have a very cool. good relationship with her. I count her as a mentor. And, and I feel lucky to have her as a board member, right? Uh, so yeah, those are two of my mentors. That is fantastic. I love it. I love it. Great shout outs. Great interview. For those of you listening, if you haven't done so already, make sure you're looking up Palash on, on, the, on LinkedIn, discovering yep. who he is, what their company does, how they work it. It is an amazing story. I love, love, love to hear your success story. <laughs> and I can't wait to see where you're at in five years because I, I think that, uh, to be honest, I think you and I are going to be on the phone here in the next uh, couple of days because I need to figure out what you're doing and how I can utilize the software. <laughs> but uh, this is really amazing. So thanks for all you've done. And thanks for taking the time to be here with us today. Thanks a lot, Todd. Thanks for giving me the opportunity to talk. All right. 
Boom. Thanks, everybody. We'll catch you on the next episode. What did you think of that story? Honestly, like seriously, very, very cool story. I love hearing stories where people have success because of the timing, because of the avatar, because of the product. He hit it all just right. And I want you to know that even if you haven't, that's okay. Nobody hits a home run unless they're at bat. You know what I mean? If you're not taking swings, you're never gonna get the home run. Take it from me, I've had a lot of strikeouts, but I've had some amazing hits. Never had the home run yet, but amazing hits. And if you're one of those guys like me who has not had the home run yet, you're never gonna get it if you never stand up to the pitcher. So he was at bat at the right time with the right product, with the right thing, and he's having amazing success. I hope that you see that as well. One of the things that, that he and I talked about after the show was uh, building a network of people around you who are awesome advisory board members. Having an advisory board is absolutely critical in my opinion if you want to take your business to the next level. You can only grow so much on your own and it is lonely as a CEO or a founder. And what we talked about afterwards is the fact that people need an organization like Captain's Council. Captainscouncil.com sponsors this podcast because why? We believe every CEO and every founder who, who sees true growth does it with an advisory board. And so we put together these advisory boards of 10 or so CEOs and founders who have like-minded vision. They're in the environment you're in in terms of the economy and what's going on in the world. And they are in the act of growing and scaling their business too. So imagine having a board of advisors filled with 10 CEOs who are building and growing at the same time you are. It's a phenomenal place to be. Check out captainscouncil.com for more details. And we hope to see you in the council and on our next episode of the Growth and Scaling Podcast. We appreciate your support. Glad you're here with us. We'll catch you later.